You're listening to an N Stars podcast production. I'm Adam Mock, a 40-something-year-old film critic who knows whiskey and movies. And I'm Melanie Weir, a former theater major who loves Disney princesses and the color pink. Are you ready to start? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Hey, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Made You Watch, a podcast starring me, Adam Mock, and my co-host, Melanie Weir. There you go. This show, basically, the rundown is, it's a multi-generational movie-watching show where, how old are you? 26. I had to think about that. I'm 42. I'll be 43 in a month. I'm old. (laughs) And... Poor Mel here has missed out on the slew of films that I have seen in my really depressingly long life. And today on the show, it's my turn to recommend a movie that she has not seen. And that movie is 1999's Mike Judge, directed, written, and starring, he has a, he has a role in the movie, Office Space. So, before, we, before you watch the movie... What do you think Office Space is about? Well, I do want to preface this by saying that I have seen scenes from Office Space because it's a movie that my dad really liked. I, I mean, I heard him laughing at it like he really liked it, but <laughs> I was not allowed to watch it. So I think I will also be very interested to see the reason why I was not allowed to watch this and why it would get turned off when I entered the room as a child. Um, but it seems to me like Office Space is just about... What happens when you work in an office in the 90s and don't care about the job you're doing at all and really just hate it? Not far off the IMDb description, which is three company workers who hate their jobs decide to rebel against their greedy boss. Which I I have a few reservations with that explanation, but because I think it goes a little deeper than that. But we are going to pause for a minute, watch the movie. And we'll be right back. From Mike Judge, creator of Beavis and Butthead and co-creator of King of the Hill, comes a movie about people who go to work. (laughs) Who are part of a team. And remember, next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. Okay, if I could set the building on fire. Who respect their boss. We need to talk about your flair. Well, I have 15... 15 pieces on. 15 is the minimum. Brian, for example, has 37 pieces of flair on today. <laughs> and a terrific smile. And need to escape. I don't like my job, and I don't think I'm going to go anymore. One of these days, I, I, I just I just kick this piece of... I'm thinking now it might be more fun to just get fired. And I've always wondered what that would take. I know you've been getting pretty depressed about your job and everything, and so I just wanted to tell you, good things can happen in this world. I mean, look at me. (laughs) Okay, we're back. Nice. (laughs) So... What was it like uh, for me, at least, revisiting this film? I hadn't seen it in a few in a few years, and I think it is probably the most accurate portrayal of what office was office life was like in the late '90s. Just because I have so many friends who, I mean, 
I worked construction, so I didn't know. I was more like the guy that lives next door, Diedrich Bader's <laughs> character. I was that guy with my friends. But in terms of my office folk friends, they all adore this film just for the reasons we're about to discuss. So now, what did you take away from this film? I loved this movie. I loved it so much more than I thought I was going to love it. I thought it was just going to be, like, very depressing. And, like, it was, kind of. It's not depressing anymore just because, like, hey, we're years removed from the 90s and office life isn't exactly this bad anymore. Thank you, work from home. We don't even need to talk about what's going on with office life right now. The pandemic never existed. (laughs) The pandemic (laughs) changed how I view... It's actually very interesting thinking about the fact that the first time I saw this movie was post-pandemic because I think if I had watched it beforehand, I wouldn't have noticed how many very office-specific things were in it because I had a very weird experience with, with offices myself where like I graduated from college, I got exactly one office job, I was let go because... You know, you're a writer. You just kind of get let go, especially when you're technically labeled an intern. I was let go, and then about a month later, the pandemic hit. So I just work from... So about half of my career, more so, I would say, has been work from home. But this movie, aside from that, I loved because it seemed like so much of the proto basis for The Office, which is a show that I am deeply obsessed with, as you know. Um, The the stapler alone. You're going to forgive me because I've forgotten every character's name. Milton. Milton. Milton Stapler. When they took his his stapler and he was just kind of talking like this and he really (laughs) liked my stapler back. But then they switched. From the swing line to the Boston stapler, but I kept my swing line stapler because it didn't bind up as much, and, and I kept the staples for the swing line stapler. First, I also realized that my dad did that to make fun of us when we were mumbling all the time, and I thought he was just being funny. Half of, the, half of my adult life is watching movies and realizing that my dad was just really good at impressions. See, now you can join in on the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also rem- I, I remember the scenes that very clearly showed me why I was not allowed to watch this movie. We were chugging along. I was like, this is fine. I mean, there's some light cursing or whatever, but that never sh- stopped my dad from showing me lethal, lethal weapon when I was in the room in, like, 10. That's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> I think it was just really, like... How much do I want to watch this versus how much do I not want my daughter to see this? Anyway. <laughs> what parts wouldn't you? Wh- I think it's parts? just, it's, it, I, am I allowed to, I'm allowed to curse, we'll bleep. Yeah. I, it's just, I remember very vividly being like between eight and ten years old, walking into the room and seeing Mel Gibson holding a gun, like pointing at the camera going, oh, you, want, you want to get fucking dead? I'm going <laughs> to fuck your ass, man. And I was like, oh, that's a new word. So what part of office space was even close to this? All of a sudden, well, it was very different. All of a sudden, we just walking along, walking along, all of a sudden, titties. Just, just. (laughs) Oh, the breast exam? Yes. I was like, oh, okay. This is why, (laughs) this is why my dad turned this off. Because the thing is, he only turns it off when it's going to make him uncomfortable, which is nudity scenes, not scenes with cursing. I should have seen that Hey, Peter, man, turn on channel nine. The breast (laughs) exam's on. That is one of the best lines. Besides Case of the Mondays. Case of the Mondays. Case of the Mondays. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> I, I do like- believe you get your ass kicked for saying something like that, man. <laughs> the gym sensibilities of this main character where he's just like, Case of the Mondays? Really? <laughs> he, it, it was like this movie was done about ten years before everybody else was done. Yeah. Now, did... Do you remember Y2K? Like, 
No, the I whole was thing behind five. it. Five. I was born okay. in 1995. No, I'm bad with math. That's why I'm asking. Yeah, no, no. I I say it because like people ask me that, and I'm like, no. And I desperately want to know what was going on because it sounds like we lived a conspiracy theory, yeah, yeah. and I'm so mad that I just missed out on it just by virtue of being a, a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Y2K was supposed to basically like shut the world down. And people were terrified. It was just numbers. It wasn't that big a deal. I know the basics of it. Like, it was a big deal when we found it out because they were like, oh, we didn't have foresight. And the way we program these numbers in the system is going to ruin things like medical records, which is a problem. But then, like, as soon as they realized what it was, they were already working on fixing it. But because it sounded like such a big deal, like, the news picked it up and sensationalized it. But what a great plot line to use because that is the most 1999-ass thing in this movie, besides the clothes, it did because yeah. the, some of those uh, those earth tones, earth were, tones were and chunky ties. God, what was office fashion in the nineties? Yeah. It was absolutely <laughs> terrible. It was. Just Every, nobody looks good in that. Just watch Friends. We dressed like garbage. <laughs> we really did. We dressed like complete trash. I always actually really liked the way the way Chandler dressed in the early seasons, and I know <laughs> really? people made fun of the way he dressed, but I was like, oh, he looks kind of cool. I don't know why. Now, the way this movie came about actually is interesting. You brought up Milton. That was an old SNL cartoon that Mike Judge had worked on where Milton was the main character. He played him, and he literally just talked like this all the time for <laughs> my stapler or they took my notepad or whatever. And he decided to build a movie around that. That's the genius of Mike Judge. He's the only guy in America that made the two stupidest characters ever invented, Beavis and Butthead, and made them icons. I mean, the guy can write stupid beautifully, and I think that's what I love about this film is, with the exception of Jennifer Aniston, there really aren't a lot of redeeming characters in this film. They're all kind of jerks. Yeah. But they're jerks because they've been driven to be jerks. Like, I mean, Ron Livingston, um, Peter, the fact that people forget, like, the reason he's doing all this, he's hypnotized. People forget in the beginning of the movie... He gets hypnotized in order to enjoy his job. I literally... And the guy dies halfway through, has a heart attack, and doesn't complete the hypnosis. It's so funny because I literally just watched this movie and I forgot that detail. No one ever remembers that detail about the film. (laughs) So this guy is literally just walking around like a zombie the whole movie. And it's hilarious because they just forget about it. The second he, he goes back to work... Forget about it. And it's just like, I think there's something to that. Like, we forget that he was hypnotized because somewhere deep down we're all like, yeah, I've had days like that. (laughs) You ever just not give a fuck so hard? Every day. (laughs) It's my life. (laughs) Honestly, humans have been writing stories about this for centuries. Not to go all English major on us. I don't know why I said it like that, English major. But I'm about to. There's a story called Bartleby the Scrivener. From back when before... I prefer not to do that. I would prefer not to. Just before... Back when Wall Street was actually a wall. Crispin Glover was great in that movie. That... I'm sorry, there's a movie? There is a movie. I think Michael Showalter directed it. I could be wrong. It stars... um, It stars Crispin Glover as Bartleby. And the whole movie, his only line is, I I prefer prefer not not to. to. And his boss, I think David Paymer plays him, completely loses his mind. (laughs) And you're looking at me like, who are these people? The dad from Back to the Future. <laughs> hey, Chris, Beth. I knew I knew the name Crispin Glover. He plays Bartleby in the movie. That's fascinating. Yeah. And like I said, I think it was Michael Showalter. They might be doing that in another in a future podcast, but yeah, for was... now, we're in the office. Uh, yes, yes. Back to <laughs> office space. <laughs> now, um, 
What did you think of Bill Lumberg? Names. Have like, you ever had? Uh, mm, yeah, we're gonna need you to come. Oh in my on, God! On, on that's, Sunday. That's the scene that I've seen. Yeah. That's another. The man who needs both belt and suspenders. <laughs> you know, I didn't pick up on that. Oh yeah, he's a maniac. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of that episode of Friends where Chandler has to be the boss, and he's like, "I'm gonna need those reports on my desk by nine o'clock." So, if you could just get to that as soon as possible, that would be terrific. Okay. And it's just—it was so funny. The the critique, because he really wasn't a character. Like he was barely a character. No, he's a one note. Yeah, but he at the same time he was he was like an everyman character in the heel way. Yeah. So it was fascinating to see what the '90s passive aggressive shit version of that was. Yeah, it <laughs> was just much. like, oh, this man is a caricature. So let's look at the way they 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 constructed him. And I I think honestly it gave me sympathy for all of my like family who were in their 20s and the 90s and working in an office, because it's like, oh, when I was a child, I was not aware of this, but you guys were having a bad time. <laughs> and I get it, because before the pandemic, I was also in an office having a bad time. <laughs> now, what are your feelings on Flair? <laughs> I was so on with Jennifer Aniston for that. Her entire speech, and I know because that's another one of the scenes, because when L, because, um, LJ showed that scene to me, I forget why, it was an, under a completely different context. She was like, you, you don't know what I think about flair? What I think about your flair? I, I, I think if you, if you want to set the minimum, then make the minimum what you actually want to see, which I vibe with so hard, because it's like, <laughs> if you want something... Do not ask me for something and then get upset when I don't give you extra. I will happily give you exactly as much as you ask for, but don't get weird when there was some subliminal message that I clearly didn't get. Also, those buttons look heavy as hell. Oh, yeah. and Those suspenders weigh like 20 pounds. I don't know, like, for the people out there who haven't waitressed, I guarantee you they're also the biggest pain in the ass in the world. They probably get caught on absolutely everything. I guarantee she has dipped at least one in something disgusting and had to go wipe it off. It ha I like that they included this because it was on top of, hey, here's sympathy for office workers. They gave a little side to, by the way, if you're in the service industry, we understand that this sucks for you too. All of the management styles are the same. It was what, what really came through when they did that was it's like we're critiquing the fact that managers are just working from a textbook like we're computers and not talking to us like people. And always remember, they have bosses too. So they're forced to be that way exactly. in, that, in that movie. And you know that his her boss was Mike Judge. That's Mike Judge. Yeah. That's, okay. That's Mike Judge in a really bad wig and a really bad mustache. I liked, um, oh, I liked her other coworker who was like, Flair, was so into it. I was like, that is the What's human. What's jalapeno poppers? That's SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, that kid, that kid was a nightmare. <laughs> I would, I've, I've worked with people like him who are just very happy-go-lucky and just, Oh, you just want to knock their teeth out. <laughs> so can I get you gentlemen something more to drink? Or maybe something to nibble on? Some pizza shooters, shrimp poppers, or extreme fajitas? I just, <laughs> how do you wake up and summon that every day? Without being a teenager. There was a point where I had that energy, but Sugar. I think I lost it around age 17. I love the fact that character doesn't even have a name. It's just Tchotchke's waiter. Also, oh, I also want to say that I called the tchotchkes thing. I was like, tchotchkes? What the hell? That sounds like, like, weird, like, kitschy Hooters. And then, like, three scenes later, she's like, yeah, I'm working at Hooters now. I was like, mm -hmm. Well, you know what a tchotchke is, right? 
I mean, it's just bullshit. Like these, like yes, our shelves are covered say, in tchotchkes. It's just like tchotchkes. And you go into things. any Fridays, any Applebee's, it's just a wall of shit. But also, it just it, there's <laughs> like why is there a boat oar in my restaurant? I have no idea. There's something about the word that does indeed sound like it could mean tits. <laughs> tchotchkes. Like Look at the tchotchkes on her. <laughs> you see, it fits it works. right in. I may be using that. <laughs> no, don't use it that way. He's got a lot of tchotchkes, that one. What have I done? <laughs> oh, God. And just the amount of actors in this movie. I mean, for one, Jennifer Aniston just stands out because... She's Jennifer Aniston. This was like... This is during Friends and after Leprechaun, which she loves to like make the world forget she was in it. That was her first movie. What the hell is Leprechaun? Actually, no. Mac and Me was her first movie. Don't know that either. Oh, Mac and Me, the, the knockoff of E.T. Oh, you're going to love this one. Do they make fun of that in Friends? Is that where freaking Mac and Cheese came from? I have no idea. There's an episode where Zo- Zoe, Joey is on a show called Mac and Cheese, and no. his partner's a robot. No, no. This was a, this was a McDonald's-produced knockoff of E.T. What the hell? Yeah, it exists. I, I, I've seen it twice. <laughs> Don't ask why. What business did McDonald's <laughs> think that they had? But to see, like, Jennifer Aniston was in this, Ron Livingston, who had just come off of Swingers, which was a huge, I mean, that was, like, the 90s personified. Just, I feel like I need a tally mark for every time we're in an episode and you mention a movie I haven't seen. Oh, we're going we're gonna to write them down soon. <laughs> Diedrich Bader was on Drew Carey at the time, which was a huge show for ABC. You don't remember Drew Carey's show. He no. hosts. He hosts the. He hosts uh, Prices Right now. Oh! Oh my God, you're young. Stephen Root as Milton. Stephen Root, probably one of the most underratedly brilliant character actors in history. He's been. I mean, he was on news radio. He was in Get Out. He was. He was in. Who was he in he was in. He was the. He was that old man who was getting the surgery done, and he was going to have his the main character's brain put in his. Yes, he was. That was him. He was also recently in uh, Book of Boba Fett. He's the guy who's selling. Wa- he's a, he's a water salesman, and but this man is a chameleon. He's one of the, he honestly one of the best character actors. And then you got Gary Cole, who's Bill Lumberg. Oh yeah, who that is the I. There's an impression that I must have heard every day of my life in college. Everybody. Yeah, can you just uh, have that on my desk? Um, you heard about the TPS reports, right? How come you're not putting covers on your TPS reports? <gasps> <laughs> that opening sequence. That opening sequence felt like, I don't know what it felt like. I knew it was going to trigger you. But I was like, I've been through this. I've been through this. I've been through this 10,000 times. Why have I been through this 10,000 times? Half of it was just being an English major and just like having to learn like different format headings. Because it's just so, it's such bullshit. It's like, can you still read the report? Can yeah. you still... But that's that's what the movie proves is a lot of the stuff that they force you to do in offices don't really need to be done. It's just it's etiquette. Yeah. And but the problem is it's going to drive you crazy. (laughs) It's interesting. There's a parallel there parallel there between like getting sick of office etiquette and like having to have like your office etiquette nitpicked and like. What we're seeing now where people are like, oh, it's cancel culture. I'm getting canceled for saying this. But it's like you're not really being canceled. People are just critiquing your etiquette. I mean, some people are being canceled. We won't get into that. But, like, a lot of the time it's just like, no, we're just saying that you're kind of acting rude. But then, like, in an office setting, it's so completely different because these are not rules that we learn from birth. These are such specific social rules. And you're thrown into the middle of this, like, 
really alien world when you're around 20 and they're like, here you go. And you're like, I didn't prep for this. What is this? Training you to what be a drone. What language are you all speaking? Yeah. And then they got you in a cubicle. They literally put you in a box. Oh my God. Cubicles were so depressing. How did people survive like that? Never. What the hell? Never had one. Never had a cubicle in my, like I've worked in cubicles fixing, you know, the wiring and stuff. Never had to sit in one because I think I would have lost my mind. Some of that movie just felt so dystopian. And it reminded me of when I went to Disney World, like right before I started here. Yeah. Um, I, I went on the Carousel of Progress and I was really, really excited about it. Because like my friend Annie really loves it. She had told me about it a bunch of times. It seemed like a really cool look at like American history. Yeah. And it was like really inspiring. And then you got to the 50s and like the Walt character, the Tom Hanks character or whatever is just sitting on his couch. And he's like, yeah, we have something called the rat race now. Everybody gets in their cars and drives to work. And at the end of the day, we drive home, and this device is called a television. And, you know, it's, it's nothing on there is very good yet, but it's something to watch. And I was just sitting there, and I was like, that's the most depressing fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh, my God. And everything after that felt so dystopian, and that is what watching this movie felt like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, from the opening scene where they're just sitting and it, seeing all the individuals and how they deal with traffic is one of the <laughs> – Michael Bolton. Best name in movie history. <laughs> Just this dorky white guy. He's played by uh, David Herman from, I think it was Mad TV. And he's sitting there belting out hardcore rap, <laughs> saying shit he should not be saying, looking the way he does. And then that one, guy, that, that one black guy selling flowers walks past the car. He turns the volume down Just- and locks the door. I knew so many dudes like that. When I went to college in Long Island, <laughs> they were, they all thought they were these badass, like hardcore gangsters and every one of them would do shit like that. <laughs> it, I would bring them to the city and they just wouldn't know what to do with them. They were like afraid of everything. The choice also <laughs> to have him selling flowers, like he could have been selling anything. Yeah. The specific choice to make it flowers was so brilliant. Yeah. It's such a little thing. And I love the, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Samir. Which oh Samir, yeah, the, the Indian the Indian yeah. worker. Um, that, it got real with him for a minute there. AJ Nadu, yeah. When when they were actually talking about like implementing the virus and everything, he's like, "Listen, like I, I like this is real for me. I could get <laughs> like I could lose this job and never find another one. Yeah, I I could get deported. Did he say he could get deported or did he imply it? I think he implied it. Was it was implied. It wasn't outright. And I said. love the fact that their plan is literally the plan from uh, Superman three. That is exactly what Richard Pryor does in that movie. He steals a tenth of a penny from all of the paychecks, and he shows up at work the next day in a Ferrari. (laughs) I mean, it's the the dumbest movie ever. It's dumb as donkey shit, but it is one of the funniest. The fact that they brought that in. I love even more (laughs) that they fucked it up. Yeah. (laughs) One decimal point was off. So on brand. I've met that guy. Like, he's an absolute genius. But also just like, oh, of course. I've only met one actor from this movie, and it was... Um, no, I haven't actually met the actor, oh, to oh, be clear. really? I the just jump, mean I've, I've the, met that model of a the person. The guy who makes the jumps to conclusions, Matt, he played Santa Claus in a movie I worked in. And I he came on set, and it was the funniest thing, because mm-hmm. he walks in, I'm like... How do I know? Jump to conclusions, Matt guy. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's me. Now I'm Santa. That guy and was Jerry. He's the sweetest dude in the world. <laughs> I was also watching this movie. Like It was it, Jerry. Jerry. From Parks and Rec. Oh, like, yes. Just like the shittiest things in the world happened to him, but somehow he still comes out on top. It was insane. <laughs> he's in a wheelchair at the end of the movie. He just gets like wrecked by a car because he's about to kill himself. Regina Jones And his style. wife catches him. 
and he's so embarrassed he decides not to kill himself. I laughed so hard. I probably laughed too hard at that. that. The movie has so many uncomfortably great moments. I was not great. I was not great with his wife's response to that. Like, she just kind of like, oh, you, and then closed the door like, no, you should be concerned. And, she cl- and I love she closes the door. She goes, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess she's not letting the carbon monoxide into the house. That's a good thing. <laughs> Um, let's see, where can we go with this now? Uh, what, what, what were some, like, what stuck out in your head? Like, what scene completely, like, just grabbed you? The, the, oh, the entire time. The entire time, I was rooting for Milton to go apeshit. Like, oh, from yeah. the beginning. Oh, I, I, wanna, I, I had no context. Just to remind everybody, I had absolutely no context. I did not think this was going to happen. I thought he was a little one-off side character. But I, with every time his desk was moved, did I ever tell you about the time I was working, I was working at, um, I guess I won't say the company name, I was working at my first job, I was like an intern, but they really should have been paying me for full-time work, because by like two months in, that's Sure you don't want to dox them? (laughs) No, I'm good. Um, I'm not going to start drama. Me and my coworker Yvonne were both working there, and they moved our desk so many times, I think it was five times they moved where I was sitting for some new IT guy who was only ever in on like Tuesdays and Thursdays or some shit anyway, so Mm -hmm. it was just a blank computer. And eventually they literally put us at the tiny round table in the kitchen. They're like, we're going to move you one more time. You're going to sit in the kitchen where we have all the people from Canada come and gossip about, like, buying ads when they're in New York. Well, at least they didn't move you to the basement and not pay you because they forgot to take him off of payroll. They They fired him five years ago and didn't take him off of payroll. At first I was like, oh, okay, good deal for him. But when they were refusing to tell him he was fired, I got so angry. I I was expecting them to be assholes in this movie and I still got so mad. I was like, I'm going to punch them. I'm going to go through the screen and hit someone. So at the end, when he not accidentally starts the fire, as I thought happened at first, when he just goes, you know what? Fuck it, and leaves trading places style. Yeah. I was cheering. Well, I, he does say, "I'll burn this place to the ground." He literally goes, "I'm just going to." They took my. I'm going to burn this place to the ground one day. And oh no, it's not okay because if they make me, if they if they take my my stapler, then I'll, I'll I'll have to I'll set the building on fire. And, I didn't hear and then that. yeah, he, I didn't remember because he, he mumbles the damn much. And he damn sure burned that place to the ground. I cheered. It was beautiful. It's a it great was ending. A beautiful ending. The the that and the fa- of what happens to Peter. The fact that he takes a job. He's like, oh, you know, I'm on a construction worker. Now. I'm outdoors. Get fresh air. Let me tell you something. I was a construction worker. It sucks working outdoors, and it's not fresh air, <laughs> especially when you're digging out a burned-out husk of a building. I will say, though, it was a nice message for something that's, like, actually at the forefront of, like, discussion now, which is, like, hey, remember when we told you all to go to college? Yeah. We're sorry. That was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Some of you were better fitted for trade schools, and that's why yeah. so many of you are miserable. Yeah. We're so sorry. Yeah. And it's funny. Like, I have a lot of friends growing up who swapped. They, they were in offices. They became construction workers. And then I was a construction I wanted to work in an office. Mm-hmm. And it just it gets to you after a while. Like any, I think any job you have will eventually drive you a little nuts. It's just a matter of like finding that perspective. But working for Inatech is just a nightmare factory. That's, yeah. Where there's no hope. There, there's just no way out. And everyone is a depressed lunatic. What do they even do? Like I know they they're- literally were working on the conversion of making uh, 
the end of uh, Y2K. So there were companies that were, wait, hold on, hold on. There were companies that were invented for that? I, I'm guessing. <laughs> what happened to them after? Now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Were there companies invented for helping with whatever the fuck was going to happen with Y2K? And what happened to them afterwards? Well, that's just it. They probably would have just gone away and fired everybody. Or burned to the ground. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we've discussed the film. We've discussed what we liked about it. How would you rate this film? Like, oh. We gotta come. We wanna come up with like a number system. Oh yeah, should we do? Should we do out of eight? Is that? Yeah, let's do gonna, it. It's n stars. We can do it's eight. It's n stars. We can do the n stars eight. Yeah. No, wait. Let's do eleven. Because everybody like rates to eleven anyway, right? This one goes to eleven. <laughs> do you nail the movie that's from? I, that sounds really familiar. <sighs> Spinal Tap. Oh no, I've never seen. That. <sighs> wow, you are giving me so many ideas for movies that you're gonna watch. This is gonna happen. I naturally. am gonna for you're gonna you're gonna. I'm bringing my DVD library, and that's right. I'm I that old. Like I have DVD DVDs. To work. I was so upset. I was ready to pop in all the bonus features, and like I went to turn it, it on. Work. It screamed. It screamed. <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna Look ask me my, my dad antiquated technology. What could possibly be wrong with it? But if he doesn't know, I'm throwing it out because I think the thing was possessed. <laughs> All right, so on a scale of 1 to 11, where would you put Office Space? I'm giving it a 10. Giving like, it a okay. 10? I'll reserve that 11 for things I absolutely, like, went gaga over, will watch over and over again. But this is definitely being added to my rewatch library and things that I will show specific friends. Like, it's, I can't believe I hadn't seen it before, especially, like, foundationally based on the kind of entertainment that I like. I can't believe that I've been obsessed with The Office for as long as I'm from and not watched, like, essentially its parent movie or yep. one of them. You gotta learn your history. It was, and that's what this show is all about. Yes. This show is all about learning our history. I so appreciate that. I'm and so much I am cooler. very curious... What you're going to pull out of your hat for me next week, because I don't even, I'm I'm kind of scared. But (laughs) in terms of my rating for this film, I obviously love this movie. I grew up watching this in college, and some of the funniest lines in my life came from this film. I got to give it an 11. Mm -hmm. Just because if I own it on DVD, I love it. If I, a Blu-ray, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) I wasn't going to get pedantic about Blu-ray. When I owned it on 8-track, you know. (laughs) But um, so uh, let's discuss what's, uh, what do you have in store for me? Oh, I have uh, only my favorite movie of all time and my queen, uh, Legally Blonde. Oh, shit. Which shocked me. Greasy Wheezy, huh? Seen. You want to watch the Reese Witherspoon Reese next week? Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Reese we're gonna Witherspoon. Go, we're going to go to the mothership. Oh, no. I rem- now, I've seen bits of that movie. In college, but I never sat down and watched it. Usually when the girls would put it on, I would just go, I'm going to go do something mm-hmm. and make ramen or whatever. That's Next hard. week on the show, we are going to watch Legally, Legally Blonde. Blonde. Well, I'm going to watch Legally Blonde. She's going to rewatch it. But so no uh, hopefully it all goes well. Until next time, this has been Adam Mock. And Melanie Weir. And made you watch a podcast. See you soon. Listening to, um, you've been listening to an, an, an N-Stars podcast production, and you can't have my stapler, no, no, I save the staplers, and, and, and the staplers for it, and, and no, you can't, you can't have my stapler, no, no. <laughs>